Baltimore, Maryland. Havoc. Chaos in the streets. This is Noxo. Case Files of Joshua Chambers. A crime drama set in the heinous world of the Dark Charm universe. never easy to call a spouse of a slain officer and tell her that her husband wasn't coming home. Sadly, I had to do that this evening. Detective Vernon Slade, my rookie hotshot, was found in a trash compactor at St. Joseph's Nursing Home. I made sure to wait for the coroner to arrive before I was comfortable leaving the scene of the crime. The man's wife before I finished speaking, began bawling hysterically over the phone. My heart broke for her. It made me think of what would happen if something like that were to happen to Karen, or me. In the meantime, in the midst of a freezing rainstorm, I made sure to do some detective work of my own while I could. I didn't have my kit, so I couldn't go too far, but I was able to garner some interesting information. One thing and this was peculiar, was that Vernon had no bullet holes or stab marks prior to going into the trash compactor. He was alive going in. The second was that the woman that he was investigating, Miranda and Dyko, was much younger than our Miranda was supposed to be. She didn't date Joshua Highlander in school, but she was schizophrenic and merely thought she did after seeing the newspaper clippings. She was no longer a person of interest. So why was he killed? Why was Slade found in a fucking trash compactor? Something didn't add up to me. There had to be something at that funeral home we were missing. During my original call to the precinct, I talked to Sergeant Grady about what had happened. She mentioned that Cole Jackson and Vernon Slade were having an argument in barracks about something, and it got violent. Several officers had to pry them apart. This was disturbing to me because now this rendered my best detective as a suspect. Sadly, this could have been the reason why. Cole Jackson could have deliberately sent Slade to that funeral home, followed him, put him in the compactor, and killed him. No trace, but a good detective could do that. But my gut tells me there's something else. Something sinister. I got home at around 1 a.m., and Karen was sitting in her plush rocking chair breastfeeding Milo. The look on her face was that of exhaustion. I closed the door gently and walked into the house. Hey, baby. She looked up at me, seeing the weariness in my eyes. That was a normal occurrence, but today it was more pronounced. What happened? I sighed, loving the fact that I came home, but also that didn't seem to alleviate my stress. Vernon was found dead in a trash compactor. Karen's eyes widened. Jesus. Uh, cause of death? Industrial trash compactor. No evidence of any puncture marks or bullets, but... But what? I walked into the living room and sat down, trying to be as quiet as possible. Cole is a suspect. Cole Jackson? That's ludicrous. The man has a stellar record of excellence. He was promoted up to my division when I took over for Graf. 
I can't believe he was responsible. Baby. Karen adjusted Milo on her breast and stood up. She sat next to me. You know, nothing, nothing is absolute in our world. Especially with what's when you're thinking right and wrong or good or evil or crooked or clean. I don't think that he did it, but don't, don't go on that. A good detective can fake things, but a great detective can snoop them out. You may be a captain, but that doesn't mean you aren't still a great detective. Remember our first case together? I shook my head and smiled. I never thought I would get through the Childress case. <laughs> but you did. You might have had a little help, but most of that case was followed through by you. You got justice for Tyrone. I kissed her on her forehead and held her close. My mind was made up, and this was going to be something I needed to take care of myself. As soon as I got to my office that day, I pulled apart the entire thing. Many of the officers thought I was crazy, but I said that I wanted to make some changes to the office. The real reason was to find audio bugs. To my horror, I found two. I didn't let anybody know that I knew, but subtly cut the wires. They were old anyway, so it was easy for me to do. It was as if they had this place bugged for quite some time. I doubt even Michael Graff knew, and that was a scary thing. Whoever was listening in on those conversations could have affected many different cases. Once I did that, I called Cole Jackson into my office. The look on his face was that of ignorance. He didn't know what was going on in the slightest. Cole sat down. You wanted to see me, Captain? I looked him dead in the eyes and gave him the million-mile stare. Vernon Slade was found dead early this morning at St. Joseph's. He looked at me dumbfounded. What in the hell did you just say? I said that Vernon Slade was found dead early this morning at St. Joseph's retirement home. His eyes widened in shock. Damn! I leaned back in my chair to gauge his reaction to the news. He was found in their large trash compactor out of the way. Staff said that he never even made it back in to talk to the woman there that he had a lead on named Miranda and Dyko. Turns out she isn't who we're looking for anyway. Shit! Cole shook his head and put his face in the palm of his hands. It was a while before he said anything. The last words I said to him were in anger. Now he's gone. What was it all about, Cole? He looked up at me like a puppy dog who had shit on the floor and was really sorry. I heard a vicious rumor that Slade had been sleeping around with my girl. He has a wife, sir. You know that. He's been unfaithful to her many times. And it told me a lot about his escapades. He told me about his escapades. But once I heard about him possibly being with Sherry, well, I needed to find out if it was true or not. And since he's the kind of motherfucker who would do something like that, I got angry and I attacked him. Even though eventually I found out he didn't do it. I leaned forward in my chair and sighed. His mannerisms conveyed that he was innocent, but that wouldn't stop a full investigation. Cole, 
Why didn't you come to me first when all this happened? He leaned toward me. Because you were busy at the time with that whole angel thing. I didn't want to bother you with something so, so trivial as this. Captain, I know what this looks like, but I tell you right now, I had nothing to do with his death. Nothing. I can assure you of Where that. Where were you last night? I was following a lead last night, but it went cold. Do you have witnesses? He thought long and hard about my question. No. No, nothing and nothing. Nobody can cooperate. Think about that. I'm pretty sure that forensics picked apart the trash compactor. I didn't do it, Joshua. Do you hear me? I stood up, not because I wanted to flaunt my authority, but because my back was starting to hurt after all of this trudging in the snow and ice. Afterwards, I winced and stretched. I stared at Cole. Innocent until proven guilty, Detective. But since he was your partner, you've been put on administrative duty until this is settled. I opened my desk drawer. Give me your badge and gun, Detective. He looked at me as if I had killed his whole world. He hesitated slightly, and after what felt like forever, he gave me his badge and pistol. Tears welled up in his eyes. Can I be excused, Captain? I nodded as he quickly left my office, closing the door behind him. I knew what he was going to do. You never want to cry like that in front of a superior. My heart went out to him but I had to be very sure that he didn't kill his partner in cold blood. I locked my desk drawer and checked my watch. I had plenty of time to get to my next appointment. Miranda Kudabiste. I opened my office door and felt a cold chill hit my spine. An eerie presence seemed to unnerve me. I turned to my right to see that Vern Garvey from IAB was staring at me as he walked down the hall. He nodded to me and brushed past me heading toward the barracks. What are you doing here? I said without thinking. Garby stopped his gate and turned around. Lieutenant, I'm sorry, <laughs> excuse me. Captain Chambers. Trying not to overplay my hand, I doubled down on the procedural protocol. I never received a phone call, I just didn't know that you were coming. Garby walked toward me and it almost made me shake. We heard about what happened with Vernon Slade and Cole Jackson as soon as we got word that Slade was killed from the coroner's office and Dr. Guff. We needed to speak to Cole Jackson. He just left your office, correct? He's a little distraught. I have his badge and gun. Just give him a moment, will you? I asked him already knowing what his answer was going to be. Good. It will save us some time getting it later. Garvey walked away from me. What a smug bastard, I thought. I started walking to my car when Sergeant Grady handed me a folder. Here, Captain. This is the incident report for Slade and Jackson. I looked at it curiously. This is the incident report? Sergeant Grady nodded her head. Yep, finished typing it up today. I turned back towards the barracks area and back to Grady. Did IAB get an earlier copy? Grady shook her head. As I said, I finished it today. Damn computer connection and the internet was on the fritz. I would have been able to send it to IAB immediately after, but... So at no point in time did this ever get to internal affairs. I made it abruptly clear to Sergeant Grady what I was asking. No, but now that you have the hard copy, you can send it to them. Now I'm pretty damn sure that Vern Garvey had a hand in Slade's death. There was no way in hell IAB would have gotten that information without an incident report. Not unless they bugged the precinct, or worse, 
and my mind was drifting toward the ladder. As much as I wanted to follow Garvey, I had to go see Miranda Kudabiste. Freezing rain came down as I pulled into the Praxis parking lot. There were only a few cars in the parking lot, so I was guessing that due to the weather there weren't going to be many people in the building. I got out of my car and carefully walked toward the building. I had to hand it to her. The pavement was immaculate. No snow, no ice, nothing. I entered the building and a receptionist, a smiling blonde man, greeted me. Hello, welcome to Praxis Incorporated. How may I help you? I pulled out my badge and ID. Captain Joshua Chambers with the Baltimore Police Department. I need to speak with Miranda Kudabiste, please. The blonde young man went flushed for a moment, but then replied back with the same cheesy smile. Um, one minute, please. He picked up a phone and dialed an extension. After a few seconds, he began to address someone on the other end. Mrs. Kudabiste, um, Captain Chambers of BCD is here to speak with you. Without hesitation, the gentleman behind the desk looked at me. She'll be out to greet you, Captain. Please wait here. Not even a moment later, an older woman with dark black shoulder-length hair walked out of a wooden door nearby and met my eyes. Her green eyes shone as she smiled. Captain Chambers? I'm Miranda Kudoviste. She pronounced the name with a Hungarian sh for the S in her name. I shook her extended hand. She waved me to follow her. I walked only a little bit, but came upon her plush and roomy office. It seemed too clean to me. So what do I owe the pleasure, Captain Chambers? Mrs. Kudoviste sat down at her desk while offering a seat to me. I sat down. Sorry for the abrupt meeting, but I needed to speak to you. It's fine, Captain. I just came right out and said it. What do you remember about Joshua Highlander? She paused for a very long time. Her skin flushed white. That, that is a name I haven't heard in a very, very, very long time. It's been over 40 years. Why is this coming up now? Cold case came up in regards to something else going on. What do you remember about him? She averted her attention from me. Enough for me to wonder what was going on in her mind. After a few moments of recollection, she finally responded. I remember he killed my future father-in-law. He was put in jail, and then he was found dead. Weren't you two an item at one point in time? I called her out on her apprehension. She swallowed and continued. Yes, we were. At least until I found out he was a psychopath. We were lovers at one point. I almost thought he was going to propose to me at one point, but then everything happened with my future father-in-law. So, you were in between boyfriends? You mean Warren? We weren't dating at the time, but we were getting closer while Josh and I were growing apart. I nodded my head and pulled out the letter that Joshua Highlander wrote to her. It seems to me he was trying to warn you about something. Where did you get that letter? I put it away for protection purposes. It's been in our case file for decades, Mrs. Kudaviste. It's my belief that Mr. Highlander was killed in prison because he knew too much about something regarding your father-in-law. She stood up. 
While I agree that my father-in-law is a very shrewd man and sometimes he rubbed people the wrong way, Warren Cordoviche Sr. was a great man. He was a philanthropist and a good father. Throwing around accusations like this is something I expected from someone from a tabloid newspaper and not someone of your reputation and stature, Captain Chambers. I am not alleging anything at the moment, Mrs. Kudaviste. I am just following up on an old cold case. A case that is dead and buried just like Joshua Highlander. Now if you will kindly leave, I have some work to do. I didn't fight her on this, but there was definitely something she wasn't telling me. Very well, Mrs. Kudaviste. If you have anything else you can remember, please don't hesitate to call me. I left the office building and walked back to my Escalade. As soon as I got back inside, my cell phone rang. Hello, this is Captain Chambers. Captain Chambers, this is Sergeant Grady. We received a message from somebody at Jessup State Penitentiary that, uh, used to be in the Maryland House of Corrections in Cumberland, but he wants to speak to you personally. I don't know if you guys had an appointment. You didn't on the schedule. He still would like to speak to you. What's this about? I don't know. He said something about something to do with a Highlander. What does a TV show about a sword-fighting immortal have to do with anything? I had to laugh at Grady on this one. For someone who didn't know anything about the case, this would be a weird reference. I sighed. Call them back and tell them that I'll make my way there. You know, Captain, there's always these newfound things out right now called telephones. You could always call them instead. While I was on the phone, however, I failed to see some men who came out of nowhere toward my Escalade. They were still at a distance, but gaining speed on me rapidly. Sergeant, I'll have to call you. A bullet came from the gun inside the other car, shooting at my Escalade and shattering my back window. I knew this was going to be hard. Back. What's going on? Are you being shot at? Uh, yep, can't talk now. Uh, send a squad out to my location. Another spray of bullets came at me. I pulled away from them and got out onto the road. I tried to maneuver the car as best as I could, but there were a lot of people on the road. Karen is gonna kill me. In the cast you heard Dan Mac McCloskey. Emily McAnulty, Miguel Pedroza, Danny Atwell, Stacey Atwell, Ferg Burfel, and Leland Bridges. Blame it on the Rain by Millie Vanilli. Copyright 2021, Dark Charm Media, all rights reserved. Special effects by zapsplat.com.